welcome to Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast for August 4th, 2019. Don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com. Okay, we have three new fight videos from yesterday's UFC show in Newark, New Jersey. So let's go over them. Uh, the first one is Antonina Shevchenko versus Lucy Pudilova. And uh, this fight was at flyweight. Of course, Antonina is the older sister of UFC flyweight champion Valentina Shevchenko. And as I've said before, Antonina does the same things as her sister, just not as well. So after she lost her last fight, the UFC decided to match Antonina with someone they knew she could beat. And that's Lucy Pudilova from the Czech Republic. Now, Lucy probably doesn't belong in the UFC, but they need European fighters for European shows. Now, the first half of the first round was mostly in the clinch to the point that the ref had to break it up a couple of times, and I think there was a low blow there as well. Then Lucy cuts Antonina over her eye with her elbow, and that's probably the hardest blow she has landed during her time in the UFC. Okay, so they go to the ground. Antonina gets an armbar that should have ended the fight, but somehow Lucy escaped. I don't really have a comment on that. I mean... Who knows? Anyway, so I scored round one 10-9 for Antonina. I thought the armbar was more um, important than, you know, the cut. All right, so in round two, Lucy initiates a takedown but gives up her back, and Antonina hooks on a rear naked choke, and it puts her to sleep. Okay, so, you know, Antonina wins uh, by submission. Um, now, it doesn't make me think that Antonina can beat anyone good, and they actually won Fight of the Night bonus for that. So what does that say about the rest of the show? All right. Okay. Fight number two is Lauren Murphy versus Mara Romero Barella. And this was also at flyweight. Both fighters are known to be ineffective. Neither of them does enough to win fights. And that's what the, the first two rounds of this fight were like. It was more like dancing than fighting. They stay at a distance and neither lands anything. I gave Mara round one 10-9 as she was marginally more effective, but just marginally. So, you know, I, I looked at I was watching, I'm going, this is a, a typical Lauren Murphy fight. She just doesn't do enough. The second round was even worse because there was a lot of clinching on the fence. I really thought it was 9-9. Uh, some uh, were willing to give, you know, Lauren was kind of uh, initiating the, the clinch work, but she wasn't doing anything with it. And also, uh, uh, Mara got a takedown, but she did nothing with it, and they both got up. All right. But then in the third round, Mara, I don't know how this happened, but she got into an awkward position. She's bent over, but not down. You know, Laura, Lauren lands a knee to the side of her head, and that's it. Uh, they called it a TKO, but really she was she was out by the time she was down, and uh, I, you know it was a lucky shot. Really, I don't know what the heck uh, Mara was doing in that position. And Lauren mentioned afterwards that she made sure her hands weren't down because that would have been an illegal blow if she'd done that. Okay, so obviously Lauren needed to win. It just again it doesn't make me think she can beat anyone good. All right. Okay, now. The third fight is Miranda Granger versus Hannah Goldie. And this fight was at flyweight because it was a short notice fight. 
both fighters will drop to strawweight for future fights. Uh, Miranda had a height and reach advantage. I mean, it was pretty obvious. And in round one, she used that to win the round easily. And uh, she just basically landed more, landed more than, um, than Hannah. But in the other two rounds, she was less effective. She just didn't do as much. She wasn't, uh, didn't land as many blows. And uh, Miranda won anyway because Hannah really never got going and really never did anything. She just couldn't get close enough to do anything. So Miranda won the fight 30-27. It wasn't a very good fight. She said afterwards she knew Hannah was not an aggressive fighter and she figured if she got ahead, she would force Hannah to keep her distance and win that way. Well, we'll see what happens when she faces better fighters. Okay, got a couple more things. Uh, this Tuesday, uh, Tuesday Night Contender Series, there is a women's fight on the show at Flyweight. It is um, uh, Marilia Santos versus Lucretia Ria. Uh, Marilia is from Brazil. Her record is 10-2. and two. Um, Now, she has some international experience, uh, at, uh, mostly at Kunlun in China. She actually lost to Weili Zhang, okay? So... You know, you never know about uh, if fighters are going to be any good. Uh, other than that, she's been on the Brazilian regional circuit for a while. Lucretia is from Italy. Her record is 7-2. and two. Uh, Looks like uh, she's mostly been in Europe. I would assume she's in the U.S. now because she's fighting on this show. Um, she's fought mostly at bantamweight, from what I can tell. So she's dropping down to flyweight. Okay, so that's on Tuesday night. Uh, I'll be watching that, and I'll have the um, video for you on Wednesday. All right. Okay, now, uh, I wanted to uh, talk about uh, uh, the Chris Cyborg release right now. I, I, I'm not going to write about it because, well, I'm not into writing novels, okay? But I want to talk about it on the podcast. Now, Dana White did an interview on Friday that uh, you can watch it on YouTube uh, with uh, uh, Laura Senko. And um, he responds to... Uh, um, Chris Cyborg's accusations of bullying and all that kind of sort of thing there. Now, what he primarily says is that she's taking a five-year-old comment. She's talking about the infamous Wanderly Silva in a dress remark uh, out of context, okay? And I do agree with that, okay? He hasn't said anything like that recently, okay? I'll tell you what he said recently. But anyway, the point is is that's his main defense to it, is that it, it was taken out of context, it was in a, um, a scrum, and, you know, he says now, of course, he was just joking, okay? But he probably shouldn't say stuff like that in the first place, okay? Now, he tried to put it in a certain amount of context, but what I'm going to do here is put it into uh, a context that, that he didn't really, didn't really use. And the, the main... The main sticking point of Chris Cyborg in the UFC is she was hired to fight at bantamweight, okay? And this goes back to strike force, okay? When um, um, uh, Cyborg uh, won over Hiroko, all right, back in late 2012, and then she got, and then she got um, a drug... Uh, positive drug test for steroids, okay? She admitted at the time that Scott Coker asked her to drop 
to bantamweight, to drop to 135. For the same reason, she should have dropped to bantamweight all along. And that's because there's very little competition at 145. There just aren't enough fighters for a division. Never mind in three companies, there's not enough fighters for one company. Okay? And so she had the drug suspension. So then we have the UFC putting uh, women on their first show. And the fight they obviously wanted to do was Ronda Rousey versus Chris Cyborg. So Chris Cyborg said she couldn't drop to uh, 135 for that fight, but she agreed to do that. In the meantime, what happened is that she changed management. She was uh, she dropped her management in Brazil, and she took up Tito Ortiz, of all people, as her manager. And that's when we started having this whole dog and pony show, okay, with uh, you know, them claiming that you know, cutting to 135 was hazardous to her health and all that crap. Look, I'm not going to get into whether weight cutting is healthy or not, because it's not healthy. I'm, I, I agree with that. However, there's no difference in cutting to 145 or 135. It really makes no difference. And, in that, and, and at that time, she was ballooning up to like 170, 180 pounds. Now, she doesn't do that anymore because her current nutritionist won't allow her to do that. You know, he, does, he doesn't let her do it. He, she gets up to, I think, around 160 now. But his, her current nutritionist won't, won't allow her to do that anymore. But at the time, they made a whole big, big thing to do about it. And in fact, that wasn't the reason she didn't want to drop to 135. The reason, and this was uh, uh, according to uh, a former nutritionist of hers, George... Uh, I think it's George Murdoch or whatever his name is. Anyway, he, I may be confusing his name with somebody else, but anyways, the point is he did an interview and he said the reason she didn't want to drop to, watch, drop to 135 is she didn't want to lose her competitive advantage. Now, when people always ask me about uh, Chris Cyborg dropping to 135, my answer was always the same. Well, one, let me know when she does it. And when she fights it that way, we'll see what she's like. Because a lot of times when you drop to a different weight class, the fighter becomes a different fighter. Okay? Because they just, you know, especially in her case, at the heavier weight, she has a, a, a distinct advantage. Okay? And she wouldn't have that at 135. Okay? So I don't know what the hell she was going to be like. She never did it, so I don't know. Okay, but eventually, I mean, and the other thing, remember this, the UFC uh, signed her for her to drop to 135 and she was supposed to prepare for that in Invicta. That's what Invicta, that's why she fought in Invicta, but she never did that. She kept claiming that it was hazardous to her health, but her, her, that nutritionist said it wasn't true. So that's my problem with Chris Cyborg is that she's full of crap. Okay. When it comes to that. Okay, so this is where, where the, the Dana's comment, Dana White's comments about the, uh, the you know, Wanderly Sylvan address come from. That stuff was all Ronda Rousey, who basically kept trash talking Chris Cyborg for testing positive for steroids. You know, and you know what? I keep hearing from guys who say, well, when are people going to forget about that? 
I'll give you the correct answer. There are some who will never forget about it. Okay? And they have every right to take her to task for taking steroids. And I, I will tell you this. I wasn't surprised she tested positive for steroids. A lot of us suspected that she was juicing. It's just that it's not that difficult to get around it. So it tells me that somebody, probably her former husband, sabotaged her. Okay? Okay? So it wasn't surprising. We thought she was juicing. Okay? And that's the type of fighter she is. She's a cheater. Okay, and we've seen this in the UFC as well, where basically for most of her tenure in the UFC, she has fought bantamweights. She's still at featherweight, but she has fought bantamweights. Okay, and then you had this, this nonsense with Jermaine Durandami and the uh, featherweight championship, which a fight that never should have taken place in the first place. I'm not even going to get into it. Dana, Dana White talks about it, but I don't agree with him. I think basically... That is the UFC's fault for putting that fight together in the first place because they needed a main event for a particular show and Cyborg was not available due to a positive drug test that turned out to be a mistake by her doctor. Okay, so it wasn't her fault. Okay, so regardless of that, the other thing I wanted to talk about, which he doesn't mention as well, was the Ultimate Fighter 28. Now, she was at the tryouts. Okay, Chris Cyborg was at the tryouts. And I remember, uh, I can recall seeing uh, a list of the fighters who were at the tryouts. And I wrote on my blog and I told you guys that, at, that with who was at those tryouts, they would have a tough time coming up with eight fighters for that show. And the reason for that is there were a lot of what I would call retreads. Okay, fighters that we know, we've seen, and we know they stink. Okay, I'm talking about fighters like Cindy Dandois, who had an opportunity in the UFC. And she's been all over Twitter whining about uh, not getting uh, into tough. And I told her, look at you had an opportunity. What did you do with it? That shut her up. Okay, I haven't heard from her again. <laughs> So anyways, the point is, is that she told Dana White that she wanted to fight uh, fighters like Cindy Dandwa and Pam Sorensen. And I would describe those two as retreads. And, and you know, the, Invicta has, has tried to develop some uh, um, featherweights, but they've had a, a tough time doing it. And really, the only two feather, decent featherweights that have come out of Invicta are Felicia Spencer and um, Macy Chase on. And that's it. Most of the others have been awful. All right? They just haven't been any good. And it's the same thing in Bellator. She thinks if she goes to Bellator that it's, you know, the grass is greener, everything is sunshine and roses. Well, you know what? Once you look past Julia Bud, there ain't much there. Okay? It's just as bad. The fighters there are stinky. They're awful. Okay, but listen, she knows that, you know, Scott Coker will not insult her like Dana White might do. Okay, so, uh, so what's the recent history on this? The recent history is that um, she was never going to resign. 
Okay, and, and, but what White did is he offered a compromise. He told her that he would, he, she could sign for the rematch with uh, Amanda Nunez, but what he told the media is that if Cyborg wins the fight, there has to be a third fight. So there's a rematch clause. And she would not agree to the rematch clause. So basically, she thinks she can just win like that a title match like that and walk away. But you know what? You can't do that in any promotion, all right? And it's not in the UFC's best interest to allow her to do that, okay? It's as simple as that. And so he's decided to uh, waive the 90-day um, uh, negotiation clause and she can go to Bellator and that's where she's going, okay? Somebody asked me, what about PFL. No, she's not going there. She, there's more flexibility for her in Bellator. Plus, she knows Coker. That has a lot to do with it, I think, is that she likes Coker. So that's what I think it is. But like I said, what this all boils down to is that if she had dropped to 135 and fought it, bantamweight, as she promised numerous times, not only in the UFC, but in strike force, there never would have been a problem. Okay? Now, she might not have won all those fights, but maybe that's all she cares about. At least that's what it seems like to me. All right. So anyway, I, to me, I don't think it's much of a loss. You know, she wasn't, she was not a productive fighter in the UFC, and I know she has her fans. I realize that. But her management has been awful. She's lied. Oh, and to put the cherry on top of the Sunday for all of this, this video, backstage video, Dana White video that she released last week was doctored to make Dana, look, Dana White look bad. Yeah, I, I really have nothing to say after that. It's over. All right. Anyway, that's it for this week. Um... Next week, we got a bunch of stuff going on. We've got, I uh, was just noticing, uh, we, we have a, on Friday, we have an Invicta show. On Saturday, we got a UFC show and also a uh, uh, NXT TakeOver show. And on Sunday, SummerSlam. So for sure, I'll be back on Friday to preview all that stuff. I'm going to be a busy boy next weekend. What, now, what I normally do is when there's a UFC show and an NXT TakeOver show at the same time, I usually record the NXT TakeOver show and watch the matches that I need to watch um, after the UFC show is over. So anyway, until then, uh, until then, don't forget to watch those three videos on uh, frankp316.blogspot.com. If you have any questions or comments, you can uh, uh, leave a message on Anchor's voicemail. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so at Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. Have a good week. We'll talk to you later.